What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 39 of True North Talk featuring your favorite hosts, Peter Burtnett and myself, Joseph Staten. Now, today we are discussing the story of King David, but as many of you may know or may or not or may not know, there's a lot of detail in that story. There's a lot of sections of the story, so we had to make some decisions as far as what we're going to cut out today and focus on. Now, a lot of people know the famous story of David and Goliath, and as we're going through the story of David, it's pretty much impossible to cut that out. Like you, you can't, you just can't not fully appreciate who David was um, without going through that and breaking that down. And we're going to hope that we can bring a unique perspective and ask some unique questions for you guys about that side of his story today on the podcast. So, without further ado, we will be reading today today out of First Samuel sixteen and seventeen. Um, if time permits, we might dip into eighteen, maybe, but. Uh, that is the plan as of right now. So before we get into that, Peter, do you just want to give an overall uh, view of what we're going to be talking about regarding David? I kind of did for sure. briefly, but just more detail a little bit. Of course. Yeah. So kind of continuing, we had actually kind of had this in the in the works for a while now, um, just kind of figuring out when we we're going to record it. Continuing off of last week's episode about uh, Abraham continuing with the the Old Testament figures in the Bible. I feel like the two that probably stand out the most are Abraham and David. And so so with this episode on David, we're going to talk more about his background, who he was, where he came from, and through that lens, revealing how God can use even the quote-unquote least of us and that's not to say that any human is less than another but that that god can use us no matter what our status is in life no matter where we might fall on the social ladder david was a shepherd the youngest of eight sons at the time and so that's that's about as low as you could get in this time of history and so I think that's one thing that we'll talk about. And obviously coming from that background to being anointed as king of Israel and then to taking down Goliath is a pretty incredible journey just to start. And so that's what we'll be talking about in this episode. Um, before we dive into chapter 16, the background is we're going to be introduced also to a king named Saul. He was actually the first king of Israel. They had had basically just prophets who kind of oversaw things but they didn't really have a true leader and and something that i've heard too is it's kind of it kind of shows how they were at fault a little bit because they didn't fully depend and trust on god to lead them they weren't what we would call a theocracy although that's what god intended for them to be a theocracy being you know some a a group of people who rely on their you know the the belief in their god to to lead the way and so it kind of shows a shortcoming of the people of Israel that they didn't fully trust God to lead them. And so Samuel, who was one of the prophets, anoints Saul. And Saul, as we'll see, maybe maybe a little bit in this episode, probably more so in the next episode that we record on David, has certainly had his faults. At first, as a king, he was in communion with God. He had he had a close relationship with God, kind of through through the prophet Samuel, but that started to deteriorate and God was basically told, told Samuel, Israel needs a new king. And that's where, um, 
where we kind of pick up here in First Samuel chapter sixteen. But obviously, before before we dive into that, any other any other thoughts from you, Joe, or any any questions for for me or kind of for the audience's benefit? Uh, not really. Um, I would say that something that's going to stick out to our audience today and sticks out to me always is the glory um, and the just coming up story of David. It's really incredible to appreciate. Um, it gives me inspiration in my life. You know, hmm. Peter and I, if you guys have not heard our previous podcasts and we don't really, we typically don't dive into our own personal goals too much inside of, of true North because it's strictly a, a faith-based program. But you know, we are two individuals who have pretty high goals in our lives. And hmm. uh, you know, with that being the case, obviously your goals need to align with the Lord's will for your life. But you know, stories like David are always stories that really inspire me and give me hope um, and just encourage me to keep at my goals because just by nature of having big goals, it's going to be difficult sometimes to fully believe <laughs> that your goals are, a po- are possible to achieve. So that's something that sticks out to me, uh, something to keep in mind, I think, for our listeners as we read through this. But other than that, I don't really have too many other questions. I think you gave a pretty good background on what we're going to be going through. So, Yeah. Uh, and and we'll talk about it a little bit more too after we read this this opening part in First Samuel sixteen. But I think talking about those goals and everything, we'll see from David's story that that patience is is often very key mm. in our aspirations to reach our goals. Um, because I'll save it for after we read, but I'll just say David was was basically promised something. And he had to wait for it. And I'll, and I'll get into what that was once we read this opening passage. But but yeah, I think definitely what, what you said backs it up really well. Okay. Well, if that is the case, then I will go ahead and read, unless you want to start us off reading-wise, but I'd like to read 16. And maybe we can go First uh, Samuel 16, 1 through 13, and then we'll split up to 14 through 23. Uh, well, actually... I might have marked this wrong. We're just—I I was planning just to read the uh, first thirteen verses, okay. but we can we can definitely change that. And, and one thing I did want to add—it's the end of First Samuel fifteen, and the Lord regretted that He had made Saul king over Israel. So that's again kind of a, a lens to look through as we read this this opening story. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would like to go through twenty three. Um, so okay, I'll, I'll take the like I said one through thirteen, and then we'll we'll kind of maybe talk about it a little bit, and we'll just go ahead and mm-hmm. finish off. Uh, chapter 16 here because I do do think it adds context to what we were saying overall about Saul sure so okay the Lord said to Samuel how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel fill your horn with oil and go I will send you to Jesse in the Beth and the Bethlehemite for I have provided myself a king among his sons Uh, and Samuel said how can I go if Saul hears it he will kill me And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to me to the sacrifice. Come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, they, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, Abinadab, 
and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send him, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and he had and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Hmm. <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> With all the it's, uh, very easily pronounceable names. <laughs> I think you did a very good job of, of navigating those for sure. <laughs> Ridiculous. Thank, thankfully, there, thankfully, there's there's a couple in here that are pretty easy, like like Samuel, Jesse, and David. But some of those other ones are definitely definitely a challenge. Yes, Abinadab, um, the Bethlehemite. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> and obviously, those who are familiar with Scripture will recognize Bethlehem. Obviously known afterwards as, you know, King David's town, basically, and would be the place of the birth of the Savior of the world is where Jesus Christ was born because of the, the census that was taken at the time of Jesus' birth. But that's a story maybe for, for a different time. The the Christmas story that we're all very familiar with and that, that we love to, to hear. Um, but, and the I mess- mean, obviously... the messianic title of the Son of David given to Jesus. Exactly. Right? Yep. Definitely. And even the the star of David that that led the the wise men to where Jesus was. So it shows, though, what the main takeaway I think from this is that the the humblest of of us as human beings, God has a plan for. And I I think it's just it's it's so interesting to me. I mean, a, a really good takeaway just for life in general, and you know, being being somebody who follows after God is the end of verse seven, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart and David would eventually come to be known even, even with his faults, a man after God's own heart. So that's, that's the number one takeaway. I think I have from this aside from the, you know, picking the, the, I guess most forgotten of, of Jesse's sons and it's it's that it, it it doesn't matter what what we look like on the outside if our heart is not aligned with God. Mm-hmm. And there's and, you know really nothing more important than being being somebody who pursues what what God intends for our lives. Yeah, and, and another part, the, the, you know, one thing that stood out to me was at the end of this passage. Just the image of, you know, Samuel looking at all of Jesse's sons and nope, 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 nope. Mm. But there was one left and I don't know, that just that just kinda reminds me of like the idea of like it's never too late for God to to reveal to you what the, the you know what the choice is or, or what the anointing is or what, what the what his will is for you, you know. Um we have to look like and be patient at everything in our lives. And I don't know if, it, if I don't know if this relates at all, but to me it reminds me of like the idea that we've talked about before, where it's like when you're three feet from gold, okay. um, and you just don't know it, like the miner that you know mined all for years and years and years, never found gold, and then he gave up and he was three feet away from it, and it's like mm-hmm. maybe in some ways it's not the same, but it does remind me of that because 
um, yeah, Daniel or not Daniel, excuse me, David was the the youngest and maybe considered the least of them um, because of his, you know, his job as a shepherd or his calling or career as a shepherd. I don't even know what you call that, but just his, you know, his being a shepherd responsibilities. Yes. You know, maybe made him the least, but but God still chose him of of all the sons. Mm. So, yeah, those are the things that kind of came to my mind. Um, But. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and grab 14 through 23? Yeah. And and just real quick, kind of expanding what you said, because I think it was a really good point. I think in this story, we often look at the perspective of David of being that that person who maybe is is small in the world's eyes or insignificant in the world's eyes and God using us. But I I like how you kind of added the the angle, maybe more from Samuel's perspective of, you know, if he wasn't really aligned with God, he might have turned away after he saw those first seven sons, he might've just given up, Mm -hmm. but instead he trusted God's calling to, you know, call call in this last, this last son. I, you know, it's, it's, I think part of God's plans. I mean, you could look at it in, in choosing friends or, or a spouse, or you could also just look at it as, you know, maybe there's, there's a couple of options in a situation in front of you and a decision that you have to make. And, you know, maybe the first two look look pretty good and look like the, the maybe the easier choice, but a lot of times God's plan for us is to make that, that tougher decision and maybe the unexpected one. And so I think Samuel's perspective here just provides an example of how through that process we need to trust and lean on God to show us what his plan is for us. So yeah, I, I just I really liked that that angle that you added and uh unless you had anything else to kinda add on to that, I'll I'll go into fourteen. Well, even at the end of that statement from um from from Jesse, you know, when Samuel was like verse eleven, are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest and then he says, But but behold he's hmm. keeping the sheep and it, it almost shows like uh, Samuel's like, or not Samuel, but Jesse's own hesitation. He's like, but, but you know, he is a shepherd. It's like, okay. well, you're probably not looking for him, but you know, <laughs> Samuel was like, no, send and get him for we'll not sit down until he comes. Cause you just don't know. Yep. So again, it's having that ultimate faith in God's revelation for, for that decision and for that anointing. But uh, with that being said, I think we can move along to 14 unless you had anything else. Definitely. I mean, I was just looking quickly over the notes on verse 11 and it's, I, I think it's, it's interesting because sheep are also kind of seen as like the, the lowest of animals and throughout the Bible and obviously most prominently of all the good shepherd being a name used for, for Jesus Christ shows that, you know, God does care like a good shepherd should. And like, like David was with his sheep he cares for for all of us, no matter how how high or low we are. God God truly loves and cares for all of us, like a shepherd does for all of his sheep. Mm. So again, just kind of an, an additional little little angle there from from my study Bible notes. But I will get into verse fourteen now because we have we have a good good amount still to read in in these passages. Yeah. So now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's hold attendants on. said, "Hold on, hold on, yeah. right there. Or unless you right. just want to read everything, and then we'll come back to it. But I want to point that out. Verse fourteen. Let's come back to that. Okay. Saul's attendant said to him, "See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the liar. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you will feel better. 
So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of, Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor-bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit from God came on David, uh, on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul, he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. Hmm. So, I don't know what you think about this, but a harmful spirit from the... Mine, mine says a harmful spirit from the Lord. Behold now, hmm. a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Um, I... Okay, I looked that up, and this is a commentary. This is the Benson commentary. Um, it says, okay, his courtiers could not but observe the change which had taken place in him and the strange disturbance in his mind, and very probably ascribed it to the hand of God upon him. When the evil spirit from God is upon thee, when a melancholy fit seizeth thee, he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. Uh, and this... The success confirmed their opinion. It is true, music cannot of itself have a direct influence on an evil spirit to cause it to depart. Yet, because such a spirit, it seems, had not got possession of him, but only occasionally troubled him by working on the passions of his mind and humors of his body, um, and because it is manifest that music has a great power over these things, frequently composing the spirits and cheering and delighting the mind. Let's see. Um, it is not strange if that evil spirit had not that power over Saul when these good effects of music had been experienced by him, which it had before. Thus Satan had less power over lunatics in the decrease than in the increase of the moon. Okay, this is an interesting uh, commentary here, but it's interesting to me that that God would send an evil spirit. Mm-hmm. And not only that he would send it, but it says from the Lord. Right. You know, that, that honestly kind of reminds me of the idea that God can harden hearts. Right? Because if the Lord has evil spirits that he sends, then clearly he's choosing to do that. And the Lord will send an evil spirit, as we see here, like he did with Saul. It's just very interesting to me. I'm not sure if you have any thoughts on that, but it's like, wow. I never thought about it like that. Yeah, I I feel like an argument that would be made from a worldly perspective is, oh, I thought, I thought God had, you know, no, no connection to evil. You know, he couldn't, couldn't set his face on it. Um, yeah. And I feel like my answer to that is it, we kind of talked about this maybe in the last episode or maybe a couple of episodes ago now, but it's, it's the idea that, you know, the, the, the question of whether God, tempts us or just sends tests and trials our way. And I think this is another example of that. It's not like God is sending this this spirit to, you know, torment Saul for the benefit of the devil, but it's almost like he's taking advantage of the the evil spirit to you know, kind of carry along his plan and and I feel like it's it's 
I like to stay away from using an answer of, oh, it's just part of God's plan and you just have to trust him. But I feel like this is maybe one of those situations where it's a little bit tougher to answer why why this would have been happening. Because mm-hmm. if, if God is all good, then then why is this happening? But again, I think it's an opportunity here for us to see that it was a place for David to be to play the liar and provide relief for Saul. Well, and this, so it shows how even through evil, God can use use us for good. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think this is a good example, maybe, of the mix of free will and, and sovereignty, um, because you know, in this example, if if the Lord knew that Saul would his destiny by his own doing and choice was was hell or depart you know departing from the lord then you could argue that you know god's sending of an evil spirit to torment him would basically accomplish his will of making david a king because it allowed david to get in with saul and allowed him to play the liar for him right um now this is another commentary here on this verse matthew henry's commentary which i've i've seen quite a bit actually i was just looking at a bible the other day that had this commentary but it says Saul has made a terror to himself. The spirit of the Lord departed from him. If God and his grace do not rule us, sin and Satan will have possession of us. The devil, by the divine permission, troubled and terrified Saul by the corrupt humors of his body and passions of his mind. Um, let's see. It is a pity that music, which may be serviceable to the good temper of the mind, should ever be abused to support vanity and luxury. Let me say that again. It is a, it is a pity that music should ever be abused to support vanity and luxury. I wonder if that's the music, <laughs> most of the music that we hear today. Eh, maybe just a little bit of it. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a pretty a perfect bit. description of what most music is. That is, uh, that's, it hits it right on the, then, you know, the, the hammer right on the nail. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just a little bit. Um, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But it's pity that music should ever be abused to support vanity and luxury and made an occasion of drawing the heart from God and serious things. That is driving away the good spirit, not the evil spirit. Okay. So more off, or, or it seems like moreover, this seems as if the Lord, because Saul chose to depart himself, that God kind of chose to open up, you know, the possibility for an evil spirit to come in. Yeah. So, anyways, well, I just thought I I did have something then to to add to that before we do move on. Okay. Um, from from my it's my I just have an NIV study Bible. This this might be from a commentary, but it's just it, it's in the notes in the footnotes. So the the part where it says the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, the removal of the spirit from Saul, and the giving of the spirit to David determined the contrasting courses of their lives evil spirit from the Lord, this statement and similar ones in scripture indicate that evil spirits are subject to God's control and operate only within divinely determined boundaries. Saul's disobedience continued to be punished by the assaults of an evil spirit and then tormented him. Saul's increasing tendencies to despondency, jealousy, and violence were no doubt occasioned by his knowledge of his rejection as king and his awareness of David's growing popularity but an evil spirit was also involved in these psychological aberrations. Hmm. I, I, I like what it said about, um, I feel like this was what I was kind of touching on, but it provides it in a more succinct way that evil spirits are subject to God's control and operate only within divinely determined boundaries. And obviously those boundaries are set in place. I would add to provide room for, for God to be at work. Yeah, and an interesting note on that comment is 
this is something that I've noticed a, a distinguishing factor between, you know, Islam and Christianity um, at my work. <laughs> it's kind of a side note, but not really because it relates to what you said. But in Islam, there's this idea of it's called jinn, right? Which jinn means mm-hmm. basically evil spirits, demons. And at any time, a jinn can attack you, even if you're a believer. If In Islam, they believe that at any moment, a jinn can possess you. And like just about every Muslim that I've met in my workplace has witnessed this. They've witnessed a, a demon possessing somebody they know. And okay. to me, that sounds very foreign because God promises us, like you just said, that the you know, evil spirits operate within very clearly defined boundaries. And if you're bought and sold out for Jesus Christ, they can't come close to you. They can't even touch you. They can't possess you. The Holy Spirit okay. is dwelling within you. So even that, I mean, this is maybe a side note, but it's, it's like even that, I think, is a confirmation of the, the truth of God's word and the Christian faith and Bible um, and the reality of Jesus Christ as Lord is that they can't touch us. They can't touch us, but they can hmm. assault, you know, those of other faiths. And especially yeah. somebody who opens themselves up to evil, like Saul. Definitely. But, and I think also we can kind of, we can see the effects of evil spirits around us. But like you said, they can't, I mean, Jesus talked about this directly to, to the disciples in the New Testament that, you know, we, we literally have the power, if we truly believe in God, to drive out demons and yeah. evil spirits. If yeah. we say, you know, in Jesus' name, be gone. As Christians, we have that power. Yeah. And again, it shows, like like you said, that they can't harm us. We can, again, we can see the effects of them around us. And in some ways, that does maybe challenge us but at the end of the day they can never win out over us because they can't win out over god and god is in us as christians so it's definitely a just comforting thought i think to to know that we are secure in in god we are but that's not to say that we can't open ourselves up to evil the influence of evil spirits and uh, i think Mm -hmm. a good medium for that in this example like like this commentary was saying it can be music um Mm -hmm. it, it can be what we consume, it, it can be what we say. Um, that's why Jesus said the, the power of life and death. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. You can speak death, literally, mm-hmm. according to Jesus Christ. You can speak death upon your life. Now, what does that mean? Well, it depends. But let's, for example, let's let's say, well, somebody says about their life, oh, I just never seem to come out on top. Always Something always seems to happen to me. Well, guess what? That will happen if you say that. Like, if you openly say this about your life, then you'll experience that. And maybe that's a mindset thing, or maybe it's it's speaking as well. But it does play a factor. Um, and if you if you're always speaking negatively, and this is something that Peter and I, you know, we we don't do that about our lives because we know the the power of of that is in our our speaking and our tongue. But for somebody who's negative and never makes any progress, seemingly it's pretty common that those people speak negatively about themselves and about their lives. And we have to be very careful not to do that. Um, because our words have power and even our words can open ourselves up to, to the influence of, of evil spirits. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, and literally the form of cursing. I mean, that's why I don't curse because you know, you can make an argument. Well, if you say curse words, is that really going to open you up to, to anything well i don't know i don't know for sure but that's why i just choose not to do it because you know there are certain things you can say that may open that possibility up so um it's just a reminder to be vigilant and be very aware 
of what we say and do because we can be under we can be influenced by evil as Christians. I mean, we're not one hundred percent. This kind of it's kind of like the whole thing about you know when people say, "Well, I'm saved. You know, I I know Jesus, so I can keep sinning as long as I ask for forgiveness." No, that's not the that's not the case. Like it's in the same way that we can't just live our lives in a sinful way and expect that evil spirits and evil can't influence us. No, it can. But if we're submitting ourselves to Christ, then that will be completely closed off. Yep. And at the end of the day, like you said, if we're locked into to God, it can the evil spirits can never win at yep. the end of the day. Yep. So, okay. Well, I think we're ready to move on to David and Goliath, so we have some time to do that, if, unless you have anything else. No, I think I'm, I'm ready to get started. Maybe just start in verse 1 and... Whenever you want to stop, or maybe just at, at verse 16, we can kind of pause for a second, but I will dive into that, and again, just, just stop me whenever whenever you have something you want to add. Yeah, we'll go to 16. I'm fine with that. Cool. Now, the Philistines, just a little bit of background, they were rivals, and in obviously in, in battle at the time with Israel. Now, the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soka in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damim, between Succo and uh, Azekah, Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the Valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His spear bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, he will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judea or Ju- Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The first one was firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend to his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For forty days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. I feel like almost we should read a little bit more before we start. Yeah. You want to go through twenty three? Or I can go through twenty three. Sure. And Jesse said to David's son, or Jesse said to David, his son, take for your brothers uh, an ephah of this parched grain and these 10 loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take these 10 cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well and bring some token from them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, uh, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. 
As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. So, okay. Whenever, I think to add, whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear, just to kind of hammer home the intimidation of Goliath. Yeah. So the picture kind of going on here is... And I think just to add some imagery, um, I looked up the height of, of Goliath, the six cubits and one, um, mm-hmm. what was the term? A span. span. It's about yeah. 10 feet tall. So you can picture <sighs> maybe kind of like a, a how, tie, how high a goal post is, a field goal, about that height. Or a basketball, basketball rim, yeah. Yeah, basketball rim. So pretty big guy, um, and he's a champion. You know, I, I assume that was referring to the fact that in, in war, he has taken down a lot of people and armies. So mm. Saul was terrified. And Saul was the king of Israel, and you can imagine that, you know, by Saul's appointment, that he's a pretty tough guy and has seen some some pretty brutal things in war. So it's no understatement to say that he was terrified. And and David, I also think it was interesting the note about him going back and forth to the sheep and and, and back. Um, and I'm curious how old David was in these days. I'm not sure if there's a reference to that, but those are just some of the things that stood out to me so far. Yeah, and and I think also the the fear that the Israelites had showed their lack of trust in God. Mm. And it, I mean, it was something that had caused them to, to have a king with his faults in Saul in the first place is, again, their lack of trust and dependence on God. You know, if they truly had faith in God, like the faith the size of a mustard seed to tell a mountain to, to jump, then it jumps, move, or it moves, and it, to have faith that it moves and it does move. If they had that, they wouldn't have this fear. And so I think it shows that, you know, as we'll see as we move through this chapter, that was faith that David did have. You know, basically, forget the consequences. Whatever happens to me, I trust God to to lead me through this. And so I think that shows that as a people and even their king, Israel at this time lacked true dependence and faith in God. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a marked difference between um really every day. I mean, you know, Peter, you know, off the podcast, we've had some conversations just about situations that are happening and and you know, family and everything like that and it's a challenge when you're hit in the face with some hard situations to to walk by faith every day. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um and you can imagine in this valley the the, the feeling the Israelites had is ultimate fear i mean fear of death fear of being conquered um you know the worst things that could happen to them um and yeah that lack of fear was was very evident and it's i think we'll get more into the story as as how that kind of uh um, displayed itself and how it played out but it it is it is a good point from your your perspective there about that lack of of faith in god because it's something that um a lot of people including myself at times I would say, you know, we had that conversation about apathy and um, I don't think like continually I ever struggle with that. But, you know, it's t- it's hard sometimes. But um, this story of David will, will continue to see how he chose to be to have ultimate faith. And I think ultimately that's why God anointed and blessed him. So uh, I can grab 24 through 37 if that's cool Would you. Yeah, works for me. But. So all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. 
and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the, of the living God? Dang. And the people <laughs> answered him in the same way, So shall it be done to the man who kills him? Now Eliab, his eldest brother, when he heard, uh, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why have you come down, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used, used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> David's statement, I don't know, when I just said that out loud, it even gives me some, I just get fired up, right? Yeah. Like in my life right now, um, I just had my first scrimmage from a baseball season. So, and it's, just to get some context, I've been on the same team. I played in like an adult baseball league. It's competitive. It's an amateur league. Um, a lot of ex-college and sometimes some ex-pros but um, and current college players. But, you know, I've been on this team for a few years, and we've been doing things a certain way. And I basically just got tired of it. I was like, I want a new team. I want a competitive team. I want to get out there. And that feeling I had on the baseball field, this scrimmage, and just this season, it's kind of along these lines. It's like, um, what do you say? Uh, let's see, see. He said, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine? And then he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Like, Man, that just fires me up. I know it's not the same situation, but like, oh, it just, it, it like cultivates and I don't know, gets that, that fire inside of me, that competitive spirit. And just, you know, that's the spirit that I have with my life and what I want to do with my life. And maybe you can relate to this, Peter. I, I know you can in some ways, but mm-hmm. like, who is anybody that they should defy the living God? Like, go ahead and try. You know, you're not going to do it, but you can try. But who are you that you're, you're trying to defy the truth? That comes from the living God. He's alive. His word is alive. The truth is alive. I don't care who hears it. I don't care what anybody thinks about it. It's the truth, and it's God. And with him on our side, how can we fail? Hmm. And that's kind of what I take from this. It just fires me up. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because for me, a different part, and I thought this this is what you were going with at first because it's what kind of fires me up more so. It's that part from 34 and then especially uh, ending in verse 37. I'll read that. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. To me, that that pumps me up and just that whole kind of background of that statement, basically, that every tough situation that we're presented with in life, 
prepares us for the next one, for the next hardest challenge that God has for us. And I feel like if we look at every every challenge that we go through with that mindset, then we will be ready for facing life's toughest challenges. I mean, a 10-foot man when compared to a lion or bear is probably a fairly equal comparison, but but this, you know, this Philistine Goliath was you know, to to another level of of a challenge for David. And so I think his his trust in God again, like like I talked about earlier, was once again in in place here, and it, it shows that you know I think every challenge that we go through prepares us for the next one down the line. Mm. You know, David having to battle the the lions and the bears to save the sheep. I mean, that also in another sense shows his compassion that he had for all of his sheep to be willing to put his life on the line, which. On another topic is exactly what what Jesus did for us. He put his life on the line to be the the ultimate good shepherd. Yeah. Um, but again, just the the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So, you know, I would encourage you and I, Joe, and everybody listening to this podcast, you know, put in the Lord who rescued me from the paw of of this challenge and from the the struggle of this will rescue me from the hand of this next struggle. You know, whatever whatever those struggles are for you, everybody listening, I encourage you to put in those challenges that you've gone through in the past and that the Lord has seen you through. And then where it says the hand of this Philistine, replace it with whatever challenge you are currently facing or maybe one that you see just, just on the horizon or even just a general statement, you know, the, the Lord who rescued me from previous challenges will rescue me from the next one. And I think that's an incredible, incredibly powerful mindset to live with if we truly do um, fully depend on God. Yeah. And uh, that's more of like the, like, I think we had two different kind of things there. Like you were, you're, that interpretation, that perspective is, is more of like a, um, responding to life's tests and, and trials, right? And then... Mm-hmm. My thing, and this is what I'm going to mention here too, is is earlier back in around 28 to, through 30, um, was, you know, along the lines of, it may probably this is probably just because I've been thinking about this more often, but you know, the goals in my life, the things I want to do, I'm trying to figure everything out and, and how it's going to work out. But, um, you know, when we're when we are aspiring as people, as human beings, to achieve something great and worthwhile and challenging, um we're going to have naysayers and we're going to have people who don't believe in us and and understand us. And really I think how David responded to that is even a Testament in a, in a, in a way that we should respond. And it's something I've experienced. But if you look back here at 28, his own brother, his older brother, his anger rose against David. And he said, why have you come down and, and why'd you leave your sheep? I know that your reason is because your heart is evil and you just wanted to come down and watch the battle. Like you, you don't, Hmm. You know, and that was completely wrong. It was completely wrong. You know, yeah. and David said, "What have I done now? Was it not but a word?" Like, you know, we're going to have people just like David had here that when we achieve and we aspire to do something, especially for God, like not even in our in our own lives and for what we want to do, but especially when you're doing it for the Lord, you're going to face even much that much more opposition, and people are going to try to deter you and say things to you, like even David's own brother said here. But he turned away from him and said and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again. And David said, um, 
like you said, you know, he delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear. He'll deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And who are you to go against the army of the living God? He didn't care what his, even his brother said. And I think that's just mm-hmm. a great thing for us to keep in mind in our lives is you really can't care what anybody thinks at the end of the day. As long as what you're doing in your life is for the Lord, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, to be quite honest. You know, people can say whatever they want, but you need to move forward in confidence and just give it to God and he'll be with you. And also have that, you know, the thing I appreciate about, appreciate about David is that fire he had, because I can relate to that. You know, you have to be inspired and fired up for greatness uh, to, to do something in your life. So, so many takeaways there. I, I think both perspectives are, they're different, but they're both very valuable and something to keep in mind for our listeners. So um, definitely. And I think it underlines also the importance of, defending our faith too like like david you know like like you talked about in 26 um you know who is this uncircumcised philistine that he should defy the armies of the living god yeah you know we should be fired up when when people talk down on our faith or you know disrespect the the living god that that we worship and again, it doesn't mean that we then attack those people, but it means that, that we... Sorry, I just have know, an image in my head now. I'll tell you in a second. Okay, but it's it's just, you know, when, when somebody discredits the living God, we need to be ready to, kind of like Paul said, to like give an account for our faith and give, you know, an explanation for why why the living God is true and why we worship him. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm just picturing Peter, uh, you know, I'm picturing you in the, in a conversation with somebody and they, they start roasting the Lord and you say, <laughs> you just look back and you say, who is this uncircumcised Ameri- American that they should question the truth of the living God? <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> if I could find a way to do it in a respectful way, then that's, that's what I should do, honestly. But <laughs> that is the funny picture to think of for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, all right, I think we should move along here in the in the scripture. So, do you want to take thirty eight yeah. through forty nine? Yeah, I, I think maybe these I'll kind of do a little bit more of like skim skim reading kind of. So Saul dressed David in his own armor. Uh, he tried fastening the the armor and walking around, but he wasn't able to. He said, "I cannot go in these because I am not used to them." And so then again, this showed his his faith. Pick it up in verse forty. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. So remember, remember the the spear the, or the javelin or I think both that uh, that Goliath had, and he has a, a massive shield, and he he has scale armor of bronze that weighs five thousand shekels. And I feel like a lot of us who maybe are, are familiar with the faith have kind of pictured this before. But I, I, for those either who haven't and even for, for those of us who are Christians, again, just picture this moment. You know, David's coming at him, no armor. He has a little slingshot with five stones and he's coming at this massive 10 foot man who dwarfs all other men and especially David because he couldn't even fit in Saul's armor. And, you know, it just it just shows that even in the face of very intimidating situations, we need to, to trust in God. And even if we don't feel like we have the resources to face those challenges, we need to depend on what God does provide for us. So unless you had anything to add, I'll, I'll pick back up in 41. Well, I just, I can recall a few times in my life where 
you know, you feel like in the moment that that's all you have to do is, you know, you have that kind of like just feeling like, oh man, here we go. But I'm just, I'm strapping up, just putting the armor on and going to battle. You know, there's no, there's not really a choice you have, but to just move forward in absolute faith. And, uh, you know, it's, it is kind of an image that, that resonates in what you were saying. I, I definitely echo that. So, um, definitely. Yeah. And I'll read, I'll read through 47 because I think that's a good stopping point and then we can discuss and then probably wrap up the, the rest of the story. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, listen closely to all of this, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole of the world will know that there is a God in Israel." All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Mm. Wow. Yeah, powerful. Again, it's it's right. that <laughs> it's just that fire that um the the spirit of God gives you against evil. Hmm. Yep. Um and the the complete justified disdain that David had. I, I, I can just resonate with that so much. You know, evil is something that is so disturbing and disgusting to God. And when we are, when you become a believer and you have the Holy Spirit living within you, it, evil resonates the same way, I think. Maybe not exactly the same way, but, you know, I despise evil and I despise um, hatred toward God. Um, and I've already, I've actually discussed this at my life group at certain points, but there, you know, there was, there's been times where, um, in public, you know, especially with some of my friends that are not saved, um, comments will be made about God that I'm not too fond of. And one of the questions that I asked in my life group at one one point, maybe I've brought it up, I don't know, previous, but it's kind of like, how do we respond when other people make fun of our faith? Because it makes me angry. You know, Mm -hmm. it makes me angry when other people put down the Lord, especially in a joking way to like try to get a laugh. And it's like, it made me angry, but it also reminded me, you know, of the time when Jesus said, you know, forgive them Lord. They just, they don't know what they do. They don't know what their actions are, but all that to say that the same feeling that David had, I can so relate to that. Like, you know, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I just resonate so much with that that fire that was in, within David. Definitely, and I, I think what this what this passage does is it kind of brings the two different perspectives we had on that earlier part of it, where it's it's what you talked about about having that fire when when somebody or just a big group of people or even the world in general defies defies the living God, and it also I think the, the words that that David says here are words that we should maybe mentally repeat when we're facing down an intimidating situation and a challenge in front of us. You know, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. 
This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. And then all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. So it's. I think this is a perfect combination about of, of the two points that we brought up earlier of, again, having that fire for God when he is defied, and also trusting in him to lead us against every challenge that we face. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's a perfect combination of both of those points. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, again, we just need to we keep that in mind. I mean, like you said, it's something that we can repeat in our mm-hmm. lives, but <clears throat> we have to keep in mind that our lives are constantly under attack by the enemy um, because we are, you know, children of the Lord. And even if you're not saved, I mean, once you, God willing that you become saved and know Jesus as your, your Savior, um, you will face attacks by the enemy, and you already are facing them, whether you're saved or not. I mean, the enemy comes to destroy um, at every chance he gets. He's seeking, just waiting for that little moment to, for you to slip up to to destroy you and get in there. Um, but yeah, it starts like, small too. It's not always an intimidating thing, like a, a massive Goliath in our lives. It, it often does start small. Yeah, and but just knowing, first of all, that you know, the further along you get in your relationship with God, the stronger you get, the less. Uh, the, way, the less ways he has to come in. So it's not like we have to live in a mm-hmm. state of fear that, you know, everything little, every little thing we do that's, you know, the enemy can, can take advantage and uh, completely throw us off course. But we do have to be vigilant and treat our lives like we're on the battlefield because we are in a spiritual war. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, all the time. And yep. just coming with that same attitude that David had, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I come to you in the name of the God of the armies of Israel the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. I mean, you can even say those words to the, to, to any sort of evil, evil spirit or, or demonic, anything that's trying to attack you. I mean, I will cut off your head in the name of Jesus. Even if it's spiritually, Amen. the Lord will deliver you into my hand. You have no power over me. I rebuke you in Jesus name. We, we need to know, like I said earlier in the podcast unintentionally, but it's coming back up, but the power of our words. Mm-hmm. And I think David even knew that, and that's that's displayed here. Is that saying it out loud? It's like mm, it just gives you that oomph <laughs> behind it, yep. you know that that faith. It's like speaking it in conviction. Yep. So, and yeah. one other thing too, before we move forward, is is having that confidence not in ourselves, but in God. You know, it's not it's not us saying I will defeat you or I'll I'll win win this person to you, Lord. It's you know, I think I talked about this in another episode, and I'll try to say it as I did that time, but it's not like, I will do this, I will win people to you, I will defeat this challenge. It's through through me, Jesus, you will, you will win, you know? Definitely. It's, it's again, having that, having that humble mindset and understanding that it's not us, it's, it's God. Yeah. Not having an I or me mindset, but having a, a you mindset. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, let's go ahead and do 48 through. I'll just take it through the end here. Um, So when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. 
And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Shereem as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines, as, and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put his armor in his tent. As soon as Saul saw David go out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As your soul lives, O king, I do not know. And the king said, Inquire whose son the boy is. And as soon as David returned from the striking down of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse the Bethlehemite. Bethlehemite. So this comes after um, Samuel selected David, right, to be anointed. Um, But Saul was not yet aware of that anointing. I think maybe he, he saw, or maybe I'm wrong about that. Was a reference to that? Yeah. Saul sent Jesse to Jesse, let David remain in my service for he's found favor in my sight. That was in 16. So I assume he already knew that David was anointed and he, you know, saw that potential in him, but maybe he didn't realize it was David in that moment in the battle. It was clearly that the fact that Saul was not aware at least completely who, who David or who killed Goliath, who that was. But we had reference to the fact that he knew that he was anointed and he sent him forth to kill Goliath after, after he said, you know, right here. It's also that David go and the Lord be with you in verse 37. So it's kind of an interesting thing how he didn't know necessarily who it was. But I don't know if you had any thoughts on that or something else you wanted to, to take away. Not so much on that. My, my thought, and I think this kind of maybe wraps it up really well, this, this whole episode is kind of something that's motivating is – how much things can change by just one person trusting in God and accomplishing something in God's name. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, what it says here, um, when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. The confidence that God can give one person and whether that's me or you, Joe, or anybody listening to this podcast, if we live out that confidence, it will translate to other people. It will rub off to other people, and amazing things can happen. I mean, that's that's how revivals start. You know, it starts with one person, and then they, you know, kind of hand it off to to somebody else, and and are, and that you know, it's 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 like ripples. You know, all it takes is is one stone in the water to cause a whole, a whole lake to ripple. Yeah. And that's encouragement to everybody listening to is like, exactly. It's easy to feel like, well, I'm just one person. Like, what am I going to do? But this, I think intentionally this, this story was, uh, you know, it happened the way it did to, to show us that perspective of, you know, you know what, it it does take one person. And if you, if you're fully convicted and live that out, who cares what anybody else thinks, including your own family sometimes, like as his brother Mm -hmm. said, you know, somebody will see that in you like Saul, Saul and David, when the when God has anointed you and given you that conviction, somebody will recognize that, and you'll be put in a position to use that conviction and use that confidence and put it into play, and it will change a lot. It can change a lot, but you have to have faith that it can. And as this story said, you know, the entire army of Israel had fear, but all it took was one person to change that whole entire course. Something to keep in mind in our lives. I don't know what everybody's listening, you know, their, their goals are and their, their desires, but truly 
anybody listening to this podcast, if you have a dream, if you have something that you think is impossible because you're just one person, you can't do it. That's not true at all. You can make a difference. You can make a massive change um, for God. But just Amen. as always, we have to keep in mind and, and make sure that our intentions and our goals are in alignment with God's will and that they're not selfish, they're not vain, um, that they are goals that are based in, you know, growing God's kingdom and, and bringing him glory. Amen. So I agree 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good place to wrap this episode up unless you have anything else to add. No, I, I think you, you wrapped it up perfectly. Again, it, it just takes one of us. For, for anybody listening, and I and obviously encourage me and Joseph as well, to live out the faith that we have and to truly have a deep abiding faith in God. And, you know, it, it might not happen immediately. It might take some work. It might take some time. But if you live out the faith that David had here, you will see God be glorified and you will see other people join that journey as well. Yeah, and I would like to close out in prayer. I I don't have Mm -hmm. anything else to add, so I'm just going to pray. Dear Lord, I pray, thank you for this podcast, first of all, and the ability, continually the ability we have to to share our faith and speak freely in this country and and do it in a a way that reaches others. I pray that every time we record, Lord, you continue to grow this podcast, True North, pre blessed uh, opportunities to to have new guests and have new speakers and just keep the content uh, fresh and relevant to our listeners. I pray anybody listening to this podcast uh, that's not yet saved would have their eyes open by you, Lord. Show them the light. Show them the truth. And for those that are saved, I pray that this would be an encouragement to them to be bold, to have confidence, to have conviction, to not fear what other people say, Lord. Take that spirit of David and just be conquerors in their lives. Um, and I pray, Lord, that we would employ the words of David, um, one of the patriarchs in the Bible, Lord, that said, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Pray that we'd have that attitude in our lives, Lord. Whatever the, 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 the lion or the bear is in our life, Lord, or whatever we have coming, that the Lord deliver us and we'd have that confidence and just be secure in our destiny with the Lord. And all things I pray today in Jesus' name, amen. And Lord, I pray just, just want to agree 100% with what Joe said and just echo that. Um, to have that defense of of who you are as a living God and also having that confidence to face challenges. And I pray for, for those listening out there who maybe feel like they are just, just a, just quote unquote, a shepherd, just, you know, a, somebody from humble beginnings and how could you use them, Lord? I pray that this episode would give, give them confidence that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I pray that you would give everybody listening to this podcast, Lord, and, and Joseph and myself included, the, the confidence that David had, that regardless of where we come from, the, the mistakes that we've made in the past, um, that, that you can use us to glorify your kingdom. And so I just I, I thank you for, for the example of David from Scripture, and I pray that you would give us, again, the, the confidence that he had to take on Goliath. Amen. Mm, amen. Well, if you made it this far in the podcast, thank you for listening. Hope you certainly took something away from today's episode. Don't be afraid, afraid to share the podcast. Share it with somebody who needs to hear it. This is uh, something we put a lot of work into and a lot of um, just faith, and, and we hope that this reaches people. So share it if you haven't already. Like and rate the podcast on Spotify and Apple. And with that being said, this is episode 39 in the books of True North Talk. This is your host, Joseph Staten of Peter Burnett, signing out. 
God bless.